I am your host, Jeff Hall, sounding as professional as always. And <laughs> with me is, uh, with, I can, I'm about to say, revert back to saying as always, because you are here yeah. and we have a guest. Yeah. Via Skype, but we have a guest. Patrick Terry, president of California. Awesome, Patrick. Glad you're, glad you made it. Um, we just, uh, full disclosure, we are not practicing safe social distancing, um, Normally, Patrick sits on the other side of the table from me, and today we're sitting up close because we have a guest, and our guest was going to be here in person. However, due to uh, recent shenanigans going on with viruses and whatnot, we thought it was best to have um, to do this over Skype. So without further ado, please welcome our guest, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Hebda. Jocelyn, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to call in from my closet here in East Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. And I'm glad we were able to get this set up and everything. And um, it's just uh, we'd reached out to uh, try and get some guests on. And Jocelyn was was nice enough to join us. Um, Jocelyn has a podcast that's called Doing Good. And I had the... Uh, I got to listen to all the episodes. Actually, I benched them and really enjoyed it. Jocelyn, you want to tell us what your podcast is about? Sure. So Doing Good, it's a show about social enterprises, impact investors, corporate social responsibility managers. Basically, it's all around this question I had about what does it mean to be a good business? Because you'll hear a lot of things about you know corporations giving back and you know volunteering, donating money. But at the core of it, like, what is the strategy behind it? What does the business get out of it? But also, how does it really impact the community? So it's not just writing a big check, but it's really how do we create these partnerships? And that's something that was really fascinating for me. So coming from a background in corporate social responsibility, I knew a bunch of people that were in this space, but I never got to really dig into what do you really right. believe this, this is? So I have different interviews with founders and CEOs and CSR managers and, you know, people that are just doing good things through their business. That's awesome. And I really, one of my favorite ones was, or at least the one I really enjoyed, um, was the, your most recent one, the Patagonia episode. That one was really interesting to me because I, I, I knew of it, but I'm not outdoorsy. <laughs> so I just see, I know people that wear it, but I'm not really that into it. So, um, so it was just fascinating to hear their what steps they're willing to go through, you know, that most companies wouldn't. And I found that fascinating um, as far isn't as. That, yeah. Isn't that something where every aspect of the business, they really tie it back to, you know, the mission statement where they say, you know, in business to save our home planet. So like every piece of the supply chain, who they recruit to be their employees. Um, I loved that episode because I worked retail full time for mm -hmm. years. Okay. And <laughs> OK, so, you know, yes, it's it, it can be hard. And yes. to get employees at that hourly four hour shift level to care. Yeah, I mean, just based off of a mission alone and Patagonia was doing that. And that's where I loved. Um, I reached out to a corporate social responsibility manager and she said, now, you should interview the store manager because he's he is acting this out day in and day out. And that was just such a fascinating conversation Yeah. where you would think you would want to talk with, OK, well, you're the one you're writing the strategy and the best practices. 
But if you have a really good business that's living by your values and your mission, then yeah, anybody in the company can talk to that and can say like, this is how we're doing good through Patagonia or the store or whatever it is. Um, And hey, to have retail where your employees are accepting less money just because they love the organization that much, that's that's magic. Yeah, that's, that's not something you definitely could, that's a diamond in the rough, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So what retail did you do? Oh, Lord. Um, Many, many moons ago, many, many moons ago, um, I worked, let's see, I've done everything from fast food. I worked at Sears in the, I guess, 2002, yeah, 2002 to 2003, almost 04, I think. Somewhere in there, I worked retail. I worked, I was a, I worked cash wrap, and then I moved to the warehouse. I mean, I've done all of that. Um, after that, uh, right before I went to the police academy, I went and worked for a rent-to-own agency, to where I was not only selling, but I was also delivering, and then I was also an accounts manager, um, which actually taught me a lot about how to talk to people as far as empathizing with their situation and then trying to work with them in the best way to serve them to one, not only to get them to, you know, want to come in and, and make their payments, but also to want to come back and, you know, purchase more things. Right. So, um, so I've done that. Um, shoot, I've worked in coffee shops <laughs> and, uh, that was, I, I kind of missed that one the most out of everything I do. That's and I only worked there like four months. But I love coffee, so I kind of miss working in a coffee shop. Um, but yeah, so I've, and it's true. If you can, if you could find employees that are willing to do things like that, I mean, you've yeah, wake up thankful every day. <laughs> yeah, you found the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that can find something to be disgruntled about. True. I mean. So to be to be able to do that, that's that's definitely good. So um, that actually answered one of my questions I was going to ask you is what ins- so what inspired you to want to do your podcast though? Like I understand wanting to talk to people, but um, what made you to go? You know what? I love doing this, but I need to let other people know. Well, I'm definitely a talker. This quarantine has been a challenge. Like, I'm sure for y'all too. Where you guys got to check in on your extroverts right now. While we can only talk to two people right now. Yes. Um, but as far as actually, instead of just talking to people, turning it into a show that other people can learn from. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny to me how timely it is right now because yeah. the field itself, it's. It's fascinating, and it's something that not a lot of people are talking about. So modern corporate social responsibility really came about with the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Because for the longest time, corporations were just supporting nonprofits, writing big checks, maybe doing a volunteer day here or there. But it was really just at the end of the year, whatever money we have left over, we'll write a check that'll get us to the right tax point we want to be in. And, you know, that's kind of it. Well, the financial crisis hit. There's no money left over at the end of the year. So those checks dried up. A lot of nonprofits had to close their doors and the communities were really, really hard hit because not only are you getting laid off, but then nonprofits that were providing support services are closed, too. So you can't find any help there. So, you know, it's something I really saw in my community in Little Rock. Um, that's mm-hmm. where that's where I grew up. My parents are still over there. Okay. Uh, and so that was where 
it all really started. And since then, it's evolved into corporations seeing that if we're going to take care of the communities where we have our offices and where we have our stores and where we have our factories and things like that, we need to really think beyond just writing the big check. Um, and for the years where we can't write a check, like what can we do something that's really innovative where it's advocacy or partnerships or awareness or just tons of different things that have become what corporate social responsibility is now. And I got into that full time as my profession. And as I was going to different just like cocktail parties with my partner, um, people ask, what do you do? And I, I, I say CSR. I'm like, oh, you're a customer service rep. Like, OK, like it's not right. for at and it's for Comcast. <laughs> no. And then I try to explain it. And so few people had even heard about this. They didn't know what it was what it was um and a lot of people thought well that's just for for giant businesses like you know a coca-cola or a disney because they've got yeah. you know billions of dollars and stuff but really it's it's every small business can really be a part of their community and be a champion where they are it doesn't have to be writing a big check it could be like a restaurant that has one day where like 20 percent of the proceeds go to something or it could be you know a really unique partnership with a b2b company that you just wouldn't think of all of those things i was like there's so many resources out there that are not being mobilized so if i can put this show out there share some different examples about different ways you can create these ways to do good right. through your business well then maybe we can inspire more people to create these plans through their own organization. So whether they're the business owner or they're an employee that can really advocate for a business to get involved. Okay. One thing I, I definitely enjoy is that I could tell the amount of research that goes into each episode. <laughs> Cause when you start talking like different things, I'm like, Holy crap. I, I don't like, I look up trivia about movies. I don't even know. what I, I was like, I was like, I, I, I definitely, yeah. And that's like mad respect on the research. She comes ready. That's for sure. So, yeah. I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All righty. Um, let's get into our first segment. As always, we ask, Patrick, what's new? Well, as we were talking about earlier before we started, work, we're getting adjusted to the new changes there. Yeah. You know, first, they tried to do one visitor at a time and even to the point of you have multiple visitors, but the visitors have to leave the hospital before the second person can come in. And then they eventually went to no visitors. Which, at least in the adult side. Right. And, and the um, the uh, children's side yeah. switched to, um, was it, one parent at least? Okay. And um, other than that, it's been a just so far. Okay. But um, I've been reading some books. So I've been working some overtime. So during the four, the four hours I work each day, I've read a couple <laughs> of books. I recently read... Uh, Stephen King's Elevation, which okay. is actually a pretty interesting book. Okay. Uh, it's about a guy who's been mysteriously losing a lot of weight. He loses maybe like one or two pounds a day. And um, but the crazy thing about losing the weight, his body looks the same. Okay. Is it and it doesn't matter if he's wearing clothes or he's completely naked. Yeah. When he's on the scale, the weight is the same. That's is that the, is that the same? I wonder if that's the one that the movie Thinner is based off of. That's it's like, like God, that's about. old. That's like an old movie too, yeah. <laughs> which I had not seen. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was a recent book, but because uh, the, the the cover of the book looked fairly new. Yeah. But um, I was reading Inside, and it actually came out in uh, 2018. But um, he starts out like 
the last time he weighed himself, he was 240 pounds. And he goes and talks to his doctor, who's been his retired doctor, but he didn't trust sharing this information with another doctor because he felt like, okay, they're going to start poking okay. at the and making yeah. a science experiment. So he goes to this doc, and um, once he gets on the scale, he says, I'm 212. So he gets on it, and that's the weight. But his pockets are full of quarters. So he takes everything down, strips down to like yeah. a T-shirt and boxers, gets back on the scale, still 212. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, thinner. An obese attorney is cursed by a gypsy to rapidly and uncontrollably lose weight. Well, this they don't explain what's really happening. Okay. It's kind of like a mystery. They probably that. added that in there, obviously. Yeah. From 1996. God, 96. I thought that movie was like 86. <laughs> um, yeah, that one just off about a decade there. But also in the town that he lives in, you have these two women who are married, um, and that town doesn't really sipping of that yeah so you're dealing with that and then him losing weight and it kind of ends weird but it was a good read okay and then the second book was uh one of the james patterson book shots okay uh the house husband um that was an interesting read too uh basically there's a guy that's killing people kind of a mystery as to what's going on uh detective is trying to figure out you know who's behind this and apparently it's been someone they've been looking for for a long time that's responsible for all these other murders. Okay. But um, it's an interesting, quick, 146-page read. Oh, okay. It's like a sh- almost like a short story. Yeah. I mean, not, nah, but it, I mean... It'd be a cool like, episode for like one of the TV, yeah. uh, Law and Order episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Okay. Uh, and then that's it. No gym okay. to go to, no movies to really that's... watch. So just sticking to Hulu and okay. streaming. All right. <laughs> Uh, how's your daughter handling? Oh, she's good. She's I'm good. sure she's. I'm sure she's crying. Is she crying about not being in school? Is she like oh, just upset? She's loving it. <laughs> I bet. She's loving it. Um, got three weeks out of it. Her mom keeps bugging her if she wants to come home. She's like, no, I'm good. I'll let you okay. know when I'm ready. All right. So. Okay. So you're just enjoying her time out. Okay. Um. So for me, it's not near as entertaining. I'm not near <laughs> as proactive as you have been with uh, reading books. Um. I have a couple. I've downloaded audiobooks. Uh, just, um, they're all movie related, um, either biographies or even some mystery, murder mystery type ones right. from old Hollywood. Um, but uh, haven't read anything. But um, York's, of course, out of school. Spring break's ending, I guess, but they don't go back till April third. At least that's the what that's the latest we've heard. And then um, he'll. He's basically, um, he went on, uh, him and his mom went on a little trip to Gatlinburg for a couple of days and then came back and then um, he's here this weekend and we've just been chilling. Um, but I'm making sure he's reading at least an hour a day. And then um, his mom and I, well, his mom's coming up with like a little lesson plan, but she's going to be sure he's still learning even though he's not in school. Right. So she's looking up different websites and apps for him to use to learn, you know, to get, to do coding and still practices math and of course he'll read his books and all that and then uh we'll have him draw and do different things and then um even though he doesn't have his martial arts classes right now um they're having him record yeah um they're having him record and then email his yeah so they'll they'll post the video and then basically you have to do what they're showing and then email it back and then he gets class credit so Cool. Yeah, Grayson's still in pre- Grayson's pre- preschool still going, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, 
Yeah. And then dancing has been postponed, but they're still practicing at home and stuff. That's really about it. So. You know, so, so my daughter's 13. Yeah. You know, you got younger kids. So she's, you know, borderline high school. Yeah. But, um, just for the time. Okay. And so, Jocelyn, what's new with you? Oh, my gosh. I have had way more time at home than I was ever expecting right now. I'm yeah. sure y'all feel in that same way now, too. Um, I just finished this book that was fascinating. It, it was called um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation. Uh-huh. And when I heard that title, I was like, oh, that's appropriate, you know, for, for what's going on right. now. Everyone's working from home. But it was about this woman who came up with a plan uh, to sleep from July of 2000 to June of 2001. Yeah. Um, and she did that with a bunch of, you know, different, yeah. you know, like pills and over the counter medications and things like that. But it was just really interesting about what you miss out on in a full year. And then also just like where we go when we sleep. It was not at all the kind of funny book I thought it was going to be, but right. it really was fascinating with all of us just taking a pause almost right now. Yeah. I mean, everybody is still working, you know, if you can, yeah. you know, if, if you yeah. luckily just still have your job. But it does feel like with, you know, a lot of businesses being closed and schools being closed and, you know, working from home or doing different shifts and things like that. Yeah. We all have this opportunity right now to kind of take a pause and see what is essential and yeah. what could we maybe reevaluate and really kind of look more inward about, you know, our own processes because, we can't go anywhere. You know, you're, right. at, you're at home with your immediate family and your pets and that's pretty much it. So it was a really good read and it's super quick. I think I read it in like a day or two because okay. it just, it flew by like that. So I recommend that one for sure. There you go. Get your new book. Right. <laughs> you got your new book. <laughs> and the, oh. uh, the, other, <laughs> the other thing that I've been really working on is I'm involved with uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of Middle Tennessee. Oh, okay. And cool. even though the clubs are shut down right now, following the lead of Metro National Public Schools and Williamson County Schools, um, we're still coming up with different ways where we can bring programming to the use of Middle Tennessee. Right. So that's doing, you know, like live readings where, you know, we'll read a storybook along with somebody on Facebook, or maybe we can, you know, do different like kid yoga classes or, you know, here's do 10 jumping jacks and then, you know, try and do 10 push-ups and just maintain those healthy lifestyles, even if you're at home. Because, uh, you know, for a lot of kids, exercise is all group sports. Right. So having to to keep them active at home and also get out a lot of that energy, which their parents really need <laughs> is right. to release some of that. Uh, or just, you know, getting different people from around town. If it's a chef that wants to share a recipe for a healthy snack that they can do at home, or if it's the zoo wants to take us on a, a virtual tour showing us some of the animals, just different ways to bring programming to the youth at home. And also uh-huh. just let them know that the community's still here for you. You know, even well, though you we're all kind of in our boxes, like we are still thinking about you, still care about you. And honestly, for for a lot of the club members, that's huge they don't they don't get to hear that a lot um and a number of our families were really affected by the tornadoes that just came through nashville so they're already living in temporary situations or maybe there's a tarp on their house just having something where you can bring a little bit of joy and not have to think about that you know those heavy kind of subjects for for young people like that's really cool so that's something that we're working on 
as well. And I just love the creativity that's coming out of every aspect of our community right now where people are just like, okay, yeah, we'll make that work. We'll figure it out, you know, from our house to broadcasting everywhere and things like that. So it's really cool. That's awesome. That is awesome. I, yeah, I feel weird just saying, yeah, I'm just staying home with the kids and we make them go out in the backyard because they need to run off energy. Yeah. I mean, York doing York, the benefit of York being able to practice his martial arts <laughs> and then record it. Grayson's gotten in on it. And, oh, dude, she, because half the time she has to go with us to his class. So right. she watches. I mean, she may not watch all of it, but she watches a good number of it. And she's been doing it for over a year now, or at least York's been taking classes for over a year. So she's been there having to watch it for over the year. So they, a lot of it's repetitiveness. So she watches. And then, you know, so she, uh, York has a, has a, uh, they call them tombstones, the rectangular pads. Mm-hmm. He has one of those that him and his mom have at his house, and he brought it over so he can practice and then record his videos and then email them. Right. And, dude, she got in on it today. Wow. There's a video of her. I've got a video of her hammer fisting down and then kicking and then doing, well, it's supposed to be growing kicks, but you're just kicking the pad. Right. So practicing that, and then I mean, she's all about it for a solid minute, too. And then, yeah, so she's a little five-year-old going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the very next minute, she'll be on, she'll get her mad out, and she'll start doing her dances. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, it was great though, because I taught her one of the one of the moves I taught her, or well, I guess her brother, is that you have to pivot, pivot your left foot, turn your body, kick with your right foot. So like a roundhouse almost kick. Okay. So trying to get her to learn it, it's like, okay, think of it like a dance move, okay? Because you know how you learn dance moves, you have to do step-by-step step different, you know, and then put it all together. Right. Same same thing. It's just a different kind of dance. So you step one is you stick your foot. Step two, pivot. Step three, turn your body. Step four, kick. Yeah, it's like a little mini dance. You're kicking your brother, in, I'm teaching you how to kick your brother in the butt. <laughs> More or less, I mean, that's basically what it was because the pad was behind him, so okay. it was yeah so yeah it was pretty fun all righty um before we go further we are i'm letting our listeners know we are about to discuss parasite and i know we discussed it a while back but here's the thing we discussed it and we talked about what we thought the movie has been out in theaters it has been out to own yeah it's been out what five four or five months we are probably going to get in some spoilers so if you if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to know anything about it until you see it you don't want to listen for the least the next little bit right. i don't know how long because i don't know how it's going to take so either stop listening go watch it and then come back and listen or just be prepared to know that we're going to get into some you know some scenes that are very i don't want to say detailed we're going to get into the you know to surprises and Things that are going to reveal plot point, you know, plot points in in key uh, scenes within the movie, um, because there is a sort of twist, and I don't want to say it's a twist. There is a point within the movie that things turn from what you think you're watching to something else. So, not necessarily like a M Night twist, but it's it's a turning point in the movie is probably the best way to word it. Um, so we are go- going to get into that. 
Um, we will talk about other movies after we talked about Parasite. Um, but Jocelyn wanted to talk about it, and I said, awesome, I will gladly talk about Parasite again and again, <laughs> as it was my favorite movie of last year. And um, so I'm all about it. So um, without further ado, Jocelyn, what did you think about Parasite? I cannot stop thinking about this movie. It is so good. I watched it maybe four weeks ago, and it's just like always been in the back of my brain where you see different things like a a light flickering um, or, you know, just it's my crawl space, really a crawl space, you know, things like that, where I cannot stop thinking about just all the different mechanics of the movie and then the overarching themes. I mean, it's very relevant and applicable with the the effects yes. and the, the events that we're having right now where you're seeing a lot of the cracks in the system because the the big overarching message of parasite is really the income inequality the class inequality and i think we're yes. seeing that now in nashville people that are hit by tornadoes and people that are really getting hit by the virus where if you don't have health insurance or if you you know are a renter and you don't have you know a really good situation there any of these situations you know losing your job all of that can hit you immediately and then what are you going to do to get by what are you going to do to survive it's just so interesting to me i'm i'm so excited to to dig into all of that like i i want to jump into all the spoilers but i also will give a little <laughs> bit of a a break <laughs> yeah until people so people know they get off right so basically parasite if you haven't or don't if for some reason at this point you still don't know much about the movie basically it's a, about a, a uh, lower income family um known as the parks they are they're trying to do their best to get by it's a husband his wife and his two teenage kids trying to do whatever they can to find some sort of work they live in like a basement apartment with windows that their windows are street level and they live in this area where, you know, a man urinates on their street, which the is at a slope. So the if he urinates, it's going to run down by their window and may seep through. True. And so it's their their bathroom is designed in a way that you have to take like two steps, two or three steps up to sit on the toilet to which you have to sit bent over and not. Like, you can't stand up to pee if you're a guy. You have to sit down because your head's almost about to hit the ceiling. It's so it's so weird, but it's because it's in such a small space. You don't even see beds. They sleep on the floor. They Their phones have been turned off. They have to use the Wi-Fi. They have to steal Wi-Fi and uh, try and find it wherever possible. And so it's about them trying to find a way to make their lives better. They're uh, one of the characters friends um, who had been a tutor to the park family is going out of the country reasons I know. And it's more or less the MacGuffin in the movie. Right. Um, to borrow the Hitchcock uh, <laughs> phrase um, is just basically the thing that sets everything in motion. He brings over a giant rock known that they called the scholar stone, which sounds like a Harry Potter name, <laughs> Harry Potter and the <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the Scholar Stone. <laughs> it's going to be the next series. <clears throat> It'll be the South Korean Harry Potter movie. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I found 
you know, I've listened to, so there's another podcast that I would highly recommend to anybody that really wants to kind of do a deep dive into Parasite. Um, I've talked about it on this one before, um, Unspooled with um, Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson, where they're covering the AFI Top 100 movies. They actually stopped doing that and did a special episode just on Parasite. Wow. And they really took a deep dive into it. And one of the things they talked about that I hadn't really thought of. Now, mind you, I'd only seen it. I rewatched it last night knowing we were going to talk about it again. Because I was like, I want to watch this again to see what I missed. Kind of refresh um, my memory. I had my laptop out. took notes like a good student <laughs> while watching it and still managing to be able to read it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and... One thing they talked about was the importance of, like, uh, the importance of the Scholar Stone. Like, Fortune, uh, Chung Suk uh, says they, uh, they've gotten real food. They wish, basically, the mom wishes they would have gotten real food instead. And, uh, this is supposed to represent how hope is portrayed in this film as a false reassurance. As encouraging as it is, if, uh, if it can't give anything lasting or solid, then it's eventually worthless. This is shown by, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that name. Um, basically, the character that uses the rock to smash down the guy that was in the cellar okay. and escape. Uh, and escape, uh, and whose rampage then destroys the Kims in the parks. So, very. I mean, I I just found that fascinating. I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty deep. And I wish I could, wish I knew more about it. <laughs> like, I wish I could think, you know, more like that. I was like, okay, no, I get it. Uh, but I, um, but yeah, I I found the rock. You know, I kind of saw the rock more as the MacGuffin type thing the thing that kind of just got the story moving yeah but um but it's the use of the rock too which apparently is actually something like a south korean thing to give gifts of rocks you know that's kind of a sign of stability i guess good fortune and um in stability i guess something like that um but uh so yeah it's basically the sun then takes on the job have each member of the family start working in the park household. His dad is the driver, his sister as the art therapy teacher, and um, his mom replaces the cook or housekeeper. So that's how they are, um, I guess, the parasites and, you know, kind of working their way into the family. Um, See, what was, um, what I really connected with at the beginning was at, like the first half of the movie, I was 100% on the family side. Like I, I was identifying with them. These are my people. Cause I come right. from, I, I come from pioneer folk where, you know, like squeeze every penny, stretch every dollar, that kind of thing. Um, you know, grandparents that, barely survived the great depression and instilled all those things in us so for me extreme couponing like every kind of like deal i can get against the it feels like oceans 11 
to me, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> if I can, if I can get them to use my one dollar expired coupon, it's like, yes, I got it. Right. Um. And so then they were like scheming to to you know get into this position and get these like the whole family into these jobs and these family. And I was like, oh, that's so clever. Like I see what they're doing. I see the mechanisms there. But then there's the point about halfway through where it all flips. You know, and I started going, oh, no, 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 I'm not like them. Like, I need to, <laughs> I need to yeah. back up a little bit. <laughs> They're like, took all your preconceived notions and flipped it on your, flipped it on their, you know, on everyone's head. Yeah. Yeah. But so. I honestly, like, if I was in that situation, I probably still am like, so the, the moment where it flips is uh, when the housekeeper was fired so the mom could take that job. She comes back and says, oh, I need to just grab something. You know, I, I left something. You think it may be a purse or a coat or, or something like that. Yeah. And uh, she's so adamant and frantic to get in the house. It, it's kind of eerie. And so uh, they let her in and she opens up a secret doorway to a bunker where she's been hiding her husband for years. All right. Seven and years. Seven four, years. Four years. Four seven years. Yeah. Yeah years at that point and it's been maybe like it's been weeks since he's eaten or, or drank anything yeah and you see it on the family's face like this is getting out of hand we're kind of we're losing sight of this um and it all just kind of like snowballed into this big thing and i just kept looking like okay they're gonna they're gonna scheme their way out of this like they're clever they're smart they can figure this out but it just kept getting bigger and and yeah, more complicated and it kept flipping on them. All these things where the old housekeeper and her husband, they, they gained leverage over the family and things like that. And it really became this just really great metaphor for how, like, no matter how much you really try to scheme when you are in a, you're in a disadvantaged population and a system that is built against you. Like no matter how many times you try to scheme, the system is always going to knock you down one way yes. or another. So like, even if you succeed, then there's systems put in place where your children are going to get knocked all the way down. Yeah. I mean, it was just so amazing where at first I was like, Oh yeah, they got this. That's so cool. And then it just kept going and escalating. At first I thought like, okay, well yes. when they handle, yes. <laughs> when they handle the, uh, the old housekeeper and the husband, then they'll get that figured out. But the twist at the birthday party just, I'm jumping ahead here at this point. Yeah. But that's yeah. where I just didn't even know what was going to happen. It's not to say it went off the rails because it was wonderful storytelling, but that was, yeah. that birthday party scene has been replaying in my mind nonstop yeah. because it's, there's just so many themes of it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm like, I, I remember we were watching this in the theater going, what the fuck is going on with these people? Like, I'm like, I was like, this is really as well. I kind of had that Ron Burgundy meme. <laughs> Probably like, well, that is that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, good, because I'm like, good night. I was like, this is not a good birthday. I was like, I was like, man, I thought I've thrown a bad birthday party before. That's the wrong <laughs> right? But yeah, I just wow. And you were talking about metaphors, you know, even like during the scene where. <clears throat> the old housekeeper's trying to go up the stairs to try and get to the main house, and the uh, the Kim the uh, the Kim's mother, I guess, the mother of the Kims, whatever, yeah. 
because I'm not going to I'm not even going to try with the first names on these. Right. Um, but the mother kicked, you know, just kind of stuck her kind of more or less mule kicked, but without, but in a delicate kind of way. I don't even know. <laughs> Rear kick. Um, her back that down. Hold as ice. Yeah, just kicked her and then kept walking. And it's literally no matter, and it's such a great metaphor for no matter how you try, how hard you try and climb, try, try and climb out of the gutter to get to do something better. You always, there will always be somebody to kick you back down. And I'm just like, and that just actually just popped in my head when you were talking. I was like, it just made me think of that scene where she got kicked down the stairs. I'm like, then I thought she was straight up you know, dead at that point, but now just unconscious. I'm like, I'm like how you didn't snap your neck. I don't know. Right. But, but I no, I was just like, the two working class families just constantly fighting each other instead yes. of collaborating. It's very right. much just, yeah. Like do what you got to do to fend for yourself and get up to that higher level and pretend you're you're a part of this class and you belong up here instead of working together i thought that was really interesting where they saw each other as the enemy and like fighting for very scarce resources yeah and for i mean basically fighting because even though even though the kims were still they still had their basement apartment and they were still were living in squalor they had they were still at least to the housekeeper and her husband, they were still higher up in the class system because they had their job basically, and they were making money and they, and these people didn't have anything. So they were still higher up on a social class, uh, structure that way. So they, they were still might've, might as well have been just, they might as well have been the parks in their opinion, you know, in their view more or less. And, you know, they're like, I can't believe you're taking our hustle, more or less. It's like, this is our hustle. Basically, they hustled themselves in and found out, well, they were already in that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, crap, how are we going to work this out? So I thought they were going to work together at the end, too, but no. Nope. <laughs> so, I mean, simply the mom could have just went back to doing what she was doing and let the maid take her job back and just act like nothing else was happening. But no, we got this position. We're going to keep it. Y'all got to go, even though y'all were here first. <laughs> right. Exactly. And... One of the things, and this is kind of jumping back, or kind of going back to towards the beginning, when they were folding the boxes, the pizza boxes, mm-hmm. and they uh, to kind of show more or less where they were at socially and economically, the fumigator guy came through, yeah. and they're like, let's close the windows, and the dad's like, no, it, it'll, we'll get, you know, it'll kill all the, you know, we'll get free, we'll essentially get free extermination. Yeah, yeah, kill all the bugs and everything. Cause like a shot before that, he saw him freaking a, a bug. Yeah. Was like, well, yeah. So it, it's like, no, leave it open. And, you know, everyone in the fan was, you know, coughing and everything. And, and he's just sitting there kind of just trying not to breathe it in and still trying to practice his breathing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He must have read your book. He must have read your book. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that. I found that part fascinating too, just to kind of show what links that they will go through to try and, you know, just because of where they're at, you know, things, sacrifices they have to make, including inhaling fumigation. And I think one, one of the geniuses of this movie is that it blends so many genres into one film. Yeah. Like you had, I mean, it's very funny for, I mean, still hands down believe the, 
actress that played um Yeo I'm gonna try I'm gonna do my best. Apologies already. Yeo Zhang Zhou, who plays uh the, the park uh from the park family, the mother. The fact that she didn't get nominated for any kind of awards. I don't include BAFTAs because they, they won the entire cast. The cast won. But the fact that she didn't get nominated for anything still, I think, is one of the great snubs of this past award season. Because I thought she was phenomenal. I thought she was hilarious. Both <coughs> excuse me, both in the things she said, but just her, her um, physical humor. Just her, her expressions and everything. And just kind of the way she was able to play just the kind of naive ditzy kind of mom um was just i mean it was just amazing and i really think she kind of got i really think she got snubbed and thought and she's still my favorite character in this movie i don't care about any of the other ones as much as i love watching her just act as a mom right so that's still still not can't let that go <laughs> i don't know why but i can't and especially after watching it a second time i'm like I put it on my notes. She still was like, how did she still get snubbed in this movie? Um, yeah, I could watch that character unpack groceries or like do the most right. mundane things. And I would watch it all day long. Yeah. Here's a question I got for you guys. Are there any villains in this movie? I would say they're all kind of equal <laughs> in a way. No, I mean, maybe the society itself. Right. But I mean, between the three families, there's not really any villains. They're all well-intentioned, I guess is a good way. I mean, because I, I think they're just trying to do their best. You know, they're trying to do their best for their family. Right. It's just because of their social structure, that's just, you know, and their class, you know, and their economic structure. You know, it's just kind of where they fall but no i don't think there's really a villain other than society as a whole yes like what you said patrick yeah um just kind of put them in a position to be how they are <laughs> right yeah because mm-hmm. they're all well-intentioned we have i definitely i on my shift have a co-worker who is extremely nice extremely well-intentioned but does more than what he's needing to be doing but he's very well intentioned but that doesn't make him likable <laughs> like, that makes sense <laughs> oh, I, I would agree that uh, systemic inequality is the overarching villain but I turned yeah. on the park father at the birthday party where the yeah. daughter's bleeding out and he's just like where are my keys where are my keys <laughs> He's yeah. to the BMW. I, I, I ripped on him at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the actor that plays the park dad apparently has been in four, three or four of um, Bong Joon-ho's movies. He's like his reoccurring actor that he has come back. Um, he's he's Bong Joon-ho's, you know, Leo DiCaprio, you know, from, <laughs> from Marty. Um, <laughs> he's the person he he brings in so um and he's been in i guess all of them or or at least the majority of them um and i think you know when we talk about metaphors i think the metaphors in this movie are very very are done so smartly smartly that's a word isn't it smartly it sounds about right um 
funny how I didn't sound smartly whenever I was talking about it. Anyways, um, that, you know, uh, like even like when you look at when you look at when you watch this movie and you see whenever they escape the uh, when Kim's escape the park house after <clears throat> or at least everybody but the mom escapes the park house. They're running down the stairs or they're running. They're having to run down the stairs out of the house and then they're having to run down the street and then they have to keep running to you know, like each scene shows them either running down stairs or running down streets right. until they get to their house in which it then becomes flooded. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just and then even in the park house, the family that's, you know, still there is down in the basement, which is still the lower part of the house. They're not in the attic. I mean, they could have had an attic, but they don't. Right. Because <clears throat> that would put them above them, which then feeds the purpose in the metaphor. But instead, they put them in this bunker basement area and puts them even lower. It's a panic room. I don't want to say it's a panic room. Um, but yeah, and it's just so smart how they show all those different things in a very, I guess, it's not really over your, it's not like beating you over the head. It's just very well shot and very well planned. Yeah. It's a methodic metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but also, I actually wrote this down. One hour and three minutes is where everything changes, <laughs> which is in the movie is two hours, 12 minutes long. So it's almost seriously halfway through the movie. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, trying to think of what all my other notes here. Um, oh yeah oh here i go this is the i was like i'm trying to understand my note but i'd had as, as i do when i either watch a movie at home or well or like while we're recording um i was having my glass of wine also and so i was like second day in kevin i'm like i didn't write that Basically, Kevin or the <laughs> son, the Kim son. I'm like, I don't. On the second day, uh, the son is already making a move on his student, which his best friend said when she gets into into university, he will ask her out. I'm like, bro code, man. Right. Because he was worried about the other uh, students coming in, taking his job and taking his spot. Yes. So I'm like, I trust you. And then the second day, he's um, already bro's already making a move. I'm like, I'm just sitting there going. I was like, Ugh. I was like, yeah, and I kind of because you know, I thought about that while I was watching. I'm like, wait a minute. So when I watched it again last night, I'm like, I was like, this dude, either he doesn't know about bro code or they don't know about it in South Korea. But right. also, apparently, they don't know about statutory rape. But then again, yeah. I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this movie. Right. Because she, she looks rather. She looks like 12 or 13, and I think he's like 17, maybe. He may be 18. I don't know. But he looks way older than her. Yeah. So that part I kind of found a little disturbing. Mm -hmm, For sure. Do you think it was a part of the scheme, or was it genuine feelings? That's a good question. What do you think? I prefer to Patrick. (laughs) I know when he brought his sister in to take over for the art coach or what have you, you saw... The daughter kind of checking him out and seeing her kind of having this jealous look. So I think she definitely was interested in him. And then he probably took notice and was like, oh, 
you know, I guess just being a guy, just like, okay, he likes me, so it's, you know, I don't think it was part of the scheme. I think it just, he sees that she's interested and wasn't thinking about the <laughs> Yeah, and I think he kind of, I think he cares. I don't think it's, the only, the part that makes me think it's not part of the scheme is when um, the Park family leaves to go camping. And they're out, so they're so the Kim family is like treating it like you know, mom, you know, the parents are away, so they're gonna party. Yeah. Um, and he gets her diary, and starts reading her diary. Yeah. So that makes me think he actually has feelings because he's wanting to know more. Trying to see if she's writing about it. Right. Yeah. Which may be more of a narcissistic thing from him. True. Or just very nosy. But I'm sorry. I don't care how much I like you. I am not reading your diary. Nope. nope. <laughs> Nothing good has ever come. From somebody reading someone's diary. So true. Life lessons. <laughs> Life lessons. Um, and one thing I noticed too, again, very subtle, was uh, when at the towards the beginning when um, <clears throat> when he first shows up and he's looking at at the park's son's paintings and drawings, is that there's always that same overall feeling of like a person in the corner that's being, you know, that's in the paintings, that's kind of, everything looks good except for that dark spot. And it's kind of the foreshadowing of the guy in the basement that he saw. So I thought that was very clever kind of foreshadowing of, of his trauma more or less from in that dude. And the part where they showed that in the movie. He knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't talk, you know, he, and so, cause he had that trauma. You know, when he was younger, which shoot, I probably would too. I'd be scared as hell. <laughs> but I and the Morse code thing with the lights, I think, is the cleverest thing. You know that nobody would have thought to would have even thought of. So I'm glad I worded that correctly because I definitely had that differently in my head. <laughs> so I'm glad it came came out coherent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought the Morse code thing with the lights. It was interesting, and I think the housekeeper's husband that had been stuck down there for years, you know, had definitely developed Stockholm Syndrome at this point, and that's why he started doing the thing with the lights, you know, with the park dad whenever he came home. He just got into a routine. I don't know if it, one, it was just gave him something to do or, you know, made him feel part of the family. Right. Or what, but you know, it was definitely portrayed when he was having to headbutt the lights. Um, that it seemed more of a like it was almost more of a Stockholm thing because he was having to he's fell on with his captor, so he's got to do this because he has to do it, no matter if he's tied up, you know, with duct tape or whatever. So I found that interesting as well. Um, let's see, I think I've only got a couple more points to make. Um, <clears throat> one of the things, of course, I'm I'm a huge Alfred Hitch- Hitchcock fan, as Patrick knows, and but um, the film makes several nods to Hitchcock throughout. Um, the stairs are used as a motif. Voyeurism is used as uh, characters watch scenes through windows 14 times, apparently, in this movie. Um, and most obviously, there is a brief glimpse of an out-of-place Alfred Hitchcock collection in the park's home, which I did not notice which that seems like something that would stand out to me. <laughs> um, so that's cool. And also the MacGuffin being fairly obvious with the, with the rock. Um, 
then uh, also in the so <clears throat> someone makes a and I was looking uh, some trivia and some facts up. I found this that the parks are in their own way parasites because each member of the family is in uh, sore need of a companion as they can't rely on each other properly. So I thought that was interesting. I hadn't really thought about that part, but I guess I can see that. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, uh, let's see. So the housekeeper, this is kind of almost a segue, but the housekeeper, uh, Jiang Yuen Li, sounds getting better at that, um, who plays the housekeeper, um, had also collaborated twice with the director, Bong Joon-ho, um, before this film. She played a supporting role in the movie Mother from 2009, and she voiced the uh, the pig in the movie Okja, which was the other movie I watched this week. So, and by voicing the pig, she just made noises because the pig doesn't actually talk. Right. So she just made the sound effects more or less. Okay. But I found that interesting. So, um, anybody else want to? Anybody else have anything they want to feel like they need to talk about as far as parasite? Well, there was one question that okay. I I had at the end of it, um, where. The son has this elaborate plan to get his father out of the basement. Because after uh, there's this whole big event with the birthday party, the um, right. husband that had been stuck in the basement, he gets out to get revenge for you know kicking the wife down the stairs and, and she dies yeah. from complications of all of that. He comes out, um, murders the daughter, injures the son uh, and the mother. And uh, yeah, the father murders somebody. A lot of lot of death ensues. Yeah. But basically, the father yes. then retreats into the bunker afterwards, and he stays down there. And the son comes up with this elaborate plan where I'll get rich, I'll buy the house, and then you can come out, yeah. and then we'll all be okay. Is that actually going to happen? Uh, it's a plan. And remember what his dad said about plans. So it's yes. never work out the way you want it to. So it's, I think it's, they want you to believe that but it's, but if you remember what the dad said, you know, um, when they, after, when they retreated more or less to the mission or the place where they were having to stay after their, their, um, their apartment got flooded out and everything yeah. was, he asked him what, it, you know, cause his dad said he had a plan. So his son asked him what the plan was. And he's basically, it's, I didn't have one because um, anytime you plan something, you know, something can always go wrong. So it's just easier to go without one. I'm like, I don't think I'd go with that logic, but, um, but that's kind of more or less the gist of what he said. And I found that interesting because I wouldn't have gone that because I found that interesting. So that's kind of where in my head, I'm like, that's what he wants to do, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. And it's kind of, you may want that to happen, but I, I don't know how well that's going to work. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and I, I'm kind of like a, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like Hannibal from the A Team. You know, I always love it when the plane comes together. <laughs> so, <clears throat> <clears throat> okay, um, all right. So we all feel good about Parasite, which is kind of weird ending it like that, but, <laughs> um. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna 
talk about two movies. Well, one of them briefly, because we mainly just because I watched it because I knew we were going to talk about Parasite. So in 2017, um, Bong Joon-ho released a movie on Netflix uh, called Okja, O-K-J-A. So I'm probably, I think, fairly certain that's how you pronounce it. This is a very weird movie. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Just kind of give a brief overview and tell you who all's in it. And then if you want to watch it, cool. Um, since it's Netflix, it doesn't have a rating. It's I would almost go PG-13. I don't really know if don't know any kids that would want to see it. There's some it's really weird because there's some parts of it that you know seem like a family movie. And there's other parts that you're like, oh no, this is for adults. <laughs> so it's really weird that he mixes the kind of two in. So Okja basically is about this young girl that risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, which is a fa- fascinating beast named Okja, which is basically this giant, it looks like a, they call it a pig, but it's more of a hippo pig hybrid. I mean, it's large, large, big and gray, like a hippo, but has act. Yeah some aspects of it, but they try to say it's a pig. It's not a pig. Um, so, uh, Seo Hyun An or Mija, I guess the character Mija in the movie is the one that befriends this and raises this, uh, pig, but they basically, uh, are supposed to raise it. And then supposed to be part of this company's, um, competition for the most beautiful pigs. They, spawn like 27 different ones in at the different farms the corporation is basically wanting to raise them for 10 years and then bring them there and then they slaughter them and then sell them for like sausage meat or whatever yeah so hence the corporational thing um so there's an over with a lot of bonjin Ho's films there's some sort of social commentary that goes along with it like with parasite was class and class structure and social inequality. This one's more about big corporations and the environment and what big corporations try and go through to try and basically ruin (laughs) small businesses more or less um, and the farmers. Um, So Tilda Swinton's in it that plays um, Lucy Miranda, who's the head of the company and that's in charge of this big whole marketing thing. Paul Dano's in it, so he's actually not playing creepy Paul Dano, so that's a change. Um, he's actually part of this, I guess, uh, what do you call the environmentalist group that's trying to free Okja, and um, Jake Hall is in it, playing this character that's like a kind of like a Jack Hanna, you know, with animals and everything and uh he has this real high-pitched voice throughout the most of the movie that's fairly irritating (laughs) but whenever he gets on camera his voice is like regular it's almost like he's switching to a radio voice and it just kind of drops a little bit and it's a lot more articulate and has a kind of rhythm to it whereas otherwise it's kind of high-pitched and kind of stupid like this (laughs) um and it's so it's kind of supposed to be funny, I think, but it's after a while it gets a little annoying. Um, but he works for the corporation because nobody else will hire him because he's kind of a has been at this point. And so he uh, 
So he's working for the company, and he's supposed to look at these animals, and then, you know, at some point they do experiments and then send them off to the slaughter, unfortunately. So Paul Dano helps uh, Misha rescue Okja and then Freer and then take down the company type of thing. It's a very interesting movie. Um, it is an interesting social commentary, social commentary on big corporations and environmentalists and uh, ways to, you know, kind of fight off the ban, so to speak. Um, it's in it's half subtitled, half in English. So obviously the people that speak English speaking English, and then um, the South Koreans that are in it are subtitled. Okay. So it's an interesting film, um, not for kids. <laughs> I mean, there's a part where Okja is like pooping uh, um, turds at the at the guy chasing after him. So that part's kind of funny. Um, but really, a lot of it, it has a lot more adult themes and adult. Um, yeah, there's just it's more adult made for adults. It's just weird that it has interesting like little moments like that. That would be more like for kids. So, yeah. So that's that one. But I wanted to watch that to kind of take that and then compare it to Parasite and then just realize how much better Parasite is as as an overall movie. And I think probably because Parasite is such a personal film to the director, it's such it's much more of a personal film. I at least I feel because it really shows on screen. Um, But yeah, it's it's. Worth watching, just if you enjoy the director and you want to watch the rest of the stuff he has. Right. It's on Netflix. I just watched it a couple of days ago. It'll still be on there. Um, and then the last one I watched is called The Lost Girls, which, again, is also on Netflix. And I was telling Patrick uh, when he first got over here that I had watched it and that it was actually based on – or I thought it was a documentary. And it just got released on Netflix this week. It's not a documentary. <laughs> I found out fairly quickly when it just in the style of the filmmaking I go, Oh, this is definitely a narrative and not a not and not a doc. Okay. So cool. Um, so Lost Girls is an hour and thirty five minutes long. It's based on uh, it's based on the book and it was actually submitted to the twenty twenty Sundance Festival and it uh, didn't win anything, but it was it was first screen there, debuted there, which is probably where Netflix picked it up. Right. So you know what? We're going to buy this one, put it on ours. There we go. There's your distribution. Um, it stars Amy Ryan, who I absolutely love. Um, I fell in love with her when she played McNulty's wife on The Wire. Um, she's also in The Office. She plays uh, Michael Scott's love interest, um, which she's amazing in that. And then uh, she was in Gone Baby Gone, where she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Um, she was in a movie called Win Win with uh, Paul Giamatti that I really love. Um, it's an independent film. And she was in Birdman. And she's been in a ton of other things that I promise you have seen her in. Um, she I don't want to say she's unrecognizable, but I didn't realize that was her until about 10 minutes in and I heard her talking. I'm like, shit, is that Amy Ryan? Because she looks different <laughs> on purpose. And phenomenal. I mean, she's a great actress. She's great in this. The movie itself is only okay, but it's great. It's perfect for Netflix. Let's put it that way. So it's based on the real life murder of Shannon Maria Gilbert. Um, and 
2010, Shannon went missing. And the mom still thinks that she's alive, um, whereas uh, uh, her other daughter believes she's dead and can't wish her mom would kind of just accept it and move on because she's still alive. Right. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But basically, the short, you know, the synopsis is when. Mary Gilbert, played by Amy Ryan, her daughter disappears. Police, the police in action drives her own investigation into the gated Long Island uh, community where Shannon was last seen. Her search brings attention to over a dozen murdered sex workers. So it's basically part of a serial killing in Long Island, New York, back in 2010. And where, she, where Shannon was a uh, call girl and they kept like a uh, stripper a uh, prostitute Shannon Gilbert missing her you know instead of just saying missing 23 year old or 24 year old girl missing right. they always had to throw that on I always irritates the hell out of me oh that irritates the hell it doesn't matter what they do as a profession it's just it's still a human being right. that's missing that hugs the shit out of me really? um, <clears throat> I don't care if it's in a movie or if it's or if it's real life that just bugs the shit out of me because you're not going to put 24 year old you know when you might put 24 year old college student but you wouldn't put like 24 year old construction worker right. yeah. <laughs> 24 year old police you just yeah. you know you just put 24 year old so and so anyways soapbox um so it's about so yeah it it's about this woman trying to find out what really happened to her daughter because the police aren't doing jack shit about it they, you watch it and you just get frustrated. Yeah. I definitely get frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not? I was like, oh, it's because she was a prostitute. So you just, who gives a shit? I'm like, she's still a person. How do you, I don't understand. I don't care how jaded and cynical you've become. Some in your head still, it's a body. It's a person. Right. <clears throat> still a human being. Yeah. So, um, Shannon's other daughter, Sarah, with two R's, S-A-R-R-A. I haven't seen it spelled like that before. Um, is played by uh, Thomason McKenzie, which you may recently remember from Jojo Rabbit. She played Elsa. She played the girl in the, oh, yeah. Yeah, his, the yeah, the girl on the wall. Um, and then she was in the movie Leave No Trace with Ben Foster, which if you haven't watched it, I think that one's on Prime, Amazon Prime. That one's really good. Um, recommend that one. Um, and then she's been a couple other things. She's going to be in a movie that's just dropped on Amazon Prime that we're going to talk about under our trailers, uh, Blow the Man Down. Um, so she plays the other daughter. Sarah is really good in this. Uh, playing the the police chief is uh, Gabrielle Byrne. Gabrielle Byrne, who's been around forever. <laughs> if you don't know who he is by now, I can't help you. Um, he was in Miller's Crossing. I know him from growing up watching Cool World, Cool World, which was like kind of like Roger Rabbit because it came out after Roger Rabbit, but it was him and Brad Pitt when Brad Pitt had the pompadour from like 1990, and Gabrielle Byrne was the main character. It was yeah. Anyways, uh, and he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Um, in Therapy on HBO, there was a series back in the early aughts that was really good. He was in it. Anyways, amazing. Amazing actor. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And then uh, Dean Winters, which everybody knows but doesn't know who this guy, doesn't know his real name. He plays the Mayhem guy in all the Allstate ads. So the guy that's Mayhem. Okay. Yeah, that's this guy. He was also in jo- the first John Wick. He was one of the bad guys, like okay. second in charge or whatever. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was in 30 Rock, so... Uh, he's been in a lot of things that everybody's seen, but most notably, everybody, if I say the guy that's the mayhem and, and they all stay at ads, everybody knows who that is. He plays the lead detective. That's a real kind of douchebag in this movie that just doesn't care. It's like, yeah, we tried. He's like, who cares about the prostitute, blah, blah, blah. We wish you'd just get off our backs, more or less type of thing. Yeah. Um, and then Kevin Gor- Corrigan's in it, who everybody has also seen because he's a great character actor that's been around for like 20 years. Uh, he was in Fringe. He was in a sitcom called Grounded for Life with Donald Logue a while back. Anyways, he's been in a bunch of stuff. If you look him up, you'll know, you'll be like, that guy. He's one of those. Um, he's in it. He plays this neighbor that's also kind of a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Or at least that's what he's pegged as. But he's the one that ends up helping Amy Ryan with clues and help solve the mystery. It's a really it's a it's perfect for Netflix. This movie is perfect for Netflix. Yeah. Um, and by that, I'm not saying it's not worthy of seeing in theater. I'm saying it's the kind of movie that you would want to. <laughs> excuse me. That you would want to watch because it's on. It's the kind of movie that you know. There's certain movies you wouldn't normally watch if it were in theater, but if it's on Netflix, you'd be like, okay, I'll watch this. Yeah. And then you do other things, like laundry, fold the laundry or whatever. Yeah, perfect. This is a movie. This one is perfect for that. It's very, it's entertaining. Amy Ryan's amazing because she's an awesome actress. Um, the story's not bad, and how you how you kind of get through it may frustrate you a little, but that's kind of the point because it kind of makes you feel even more empathetic to the main character. Right. And so, um, so it's a it's a good movie. It's interesting. It's an hour thirty five, so it's not taking too much of your time. It's perfect length. It doesn't need to be longer. Um, can't really be much shorter. So uh, the only real piece of interesting trivia on this movie is that uh, apparently the real-life Mary Gilbert uh, that Amy Ryan portrays in the movie was allegedly killed by her other daughter, Sarah Gilbert, in 2016 hmm. via stabbing. Whoa. So, exactly what I said. I said, I go, oh, did I go, the hell? I was like, I was like, well, that I didn't see that coming, but uh, <laughs> all right. I mean, we all have families that are kind of interesting, but yeah. wow, that's definitely an interesting family dynamic. <laughs> so, what? And it does say allegedly, so I guess it hasn't been proven yet. I don't, I don't know. All right, I'm done talking. Patrick, it's your turn. All right. <laughs> so the movie I managed to watch this week, um, Little Monsters. Um, it's not, I don't, I actually don't remember the original Little Monster from years ago, but I thought it may have been a remake of that, but I don't Is think that the one, talking about the ones like Fred Savage? Yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with that. Okay, just same, same title though. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, that's what I thought you were talking about when you sent me that I'm like, yeah. the Fred Savage movie? I'm like, all right, man, no. whatever. So <laughs> this was, I thought it was going to come out to theaters, but uh, apparently it ended up on uh, Hulu in October of last year. Oh, Okay. So, this movie, too, is a short movie. It's like an hour and 13 minutes. Uh, the director is uh, Abe Forsyth. 
And uh, the actors we have in this, we have Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, yeah. Of course, from Black Panther and Us. And um, Alexander England as David, or Dave, as they call him. And then Josh Gad as uh, Teddy McGiggle. He's kind of like... Olaf come to life? (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe that might be a good little... But maybe a little more exaggerated. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my. That's saying something. (laughs) But um, basic... um, we have uh, Diesel La, dang, La, La Toraka as Felix, who plays David's nephew. Easy for you to say. Right. And then Cat uh, Stewart, who uh, plays um, Tess, who's um, brother, I mean, sister to David and mother of Felix. So basic synopsis here is the class trip to a farm where the popular kids show host, um, Ted McGiggle, is filming an episode. And... Um, Things go horribly wrong. <laughs> okay. So it starts off following David and his girlfriend. Who, it's like a montage of them arguing. I mean, literally, they're yelling, cussing, t- yelling at the top of their voice at each other. Okay. They're out to dinner with friends, arguing. They're out at the grocery store, arguing. There's a little break where she's admiring a little kid, like, oh, I just love kids. And it kind of lets you know what they're probably arguing about. Uh, but uh, eventually, they break up. And he, he goes to live with his sister, Tess, and his uh, nephew, Felix. And... He's really like he's like he, he's he claims he has a band. Yeah. But basically, he's just like a washed-up musician. Gotcha. And uh, yeah. eventually, it leads him to taking his uh, nephew to school, where he eyes his teacher, okay. by Lupita, and he's completely enamored by her. Like even me, when I saw her, I was like, God, like wow, <laughs> she just <laughs> like I've seen her Black Panther yeah. for some reason in this movie. She's just man, beautiful. Just, okay. Wow. Um. So. Apparently, someone is chaperoning, can't go, so he used that opportunity to kind of get close to her and say, hey, I'll do it. I'll volunteer to chaperone. And so when they get there, apparently there's a military base nearby, and they have this outbreak, zombies. So it's got oh, zombies in okay. this. There's zombies right. in this. Um, but they're like two inches tall, hence the little monster. That <laughs> was weird. Because, I mean, she's got a class of about 12 kids. And one of, of course, being Felix, uh, David's nephew, and she has a good handle on them. Like she, she, she's very good with them. Uh, when they're getting wild, she's able to get them in line and you know keep them under control. Yeah. And but they're going on a, a, like a little safari to look at farm animals, and then that's when they come across their first zombie, and things just kind of go haywire. So they're basically got to work together to get these kids through this situation so nobody dies. And um, then they find out Mr. McGiggle, he's not, even though he's a real bubbly personality toward the kids on TV, he's a real douchebag. He's a drunk and he's, yeah, he's just not a good guy at all. Gotcha. But <laughs> to keep the kids calm, the teacher tells them that this is just a part of the game. It's just a game. This is not real. We're just doing this as part of the trip. And she's doing a good job of keeping them. Yeah. But uh, they got to work together, get them out. And then Dave, he kind of has his little character arc where he's kind of a douchebag, but eventually he kind of turns around, becomes stand, you know, steps up, yeah, and takes responsibility for things. Uh, it's um, it's a funny movie. It's, a, it's I say it's a cute little movie. Um, I can see why it fits on Hulu, kind of like if it was yeah. on Netflix, it's kind of a streaming movie. It probably won't do so well in the theaters. Okay. Um, some notes. Uh, apparently, the movie had a, a world premiere at Sundance Film Festival in January of last year. Uh, this movie takes place in Australia. 
you know, all the kids okay. had the accent. So I, was, I wasn't sure if it was London or. Yeah. Then you know. um, again, David just broke up with his girlfriend. And he becomes a chaperone based on his crush on on uh, the teacher. And um, but it's, it's just a fun movie. Like if you okay. if it's something that if you're at home doing laundry and it comes on TV. Right. You know, it's good <clears throat> movie to just kind of sit down and watch. It's not for kids. OK, I was about to ask you. Uh, harsh language, and then when they're taking out the zombies, it's not necessarily Tarantino level of blood, but okay, you know, it's it's still you know not young kids. Like my gotcha. my daughter, thirteen, she she probably watch it and be okay. Oh, your daughter's seen some interesting movies with yeah, you. She, she's, changing, <laughs> she's changing her her tone. She used to yeah. like the Disney Pixar yeah. animated stuff, kid movies. Now she's more she wants to horror movies. Yeah, so she's at that age. Chapter two, Doctor Sleep. The turning, she's like, yeah. Well, she probably she found this. her jam. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think it's, it's it's a good movie to watch. It, I enjoyed it. It's, it's humorous, little touch of drama, little action, little some moments where you just kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. But overall, it's not bad. It's a pretty fun okay. movie. Yeah, good whenever you're cooped up <laughs> for yeah. at this time of year. It's a perfect quarantine movie. Yeah. <laughs> Watching so zombies, which you know, right. maybe the next step. <laughs> <laughs> Lord help, Lord help us, right? You ready? If I say you ready now, huh? <laughs> well, and oh, this brings up something interesting too. Is that while um, while my ex-wife and my son, when they were in Gatlinburg this past this past week, um, and they were to kind of get away for a little while, they had a you know they rented a cabin and everything, and while they were there, they couldn't i don't know how they watched it but they didn't have wi-fi so i guess they took their own copy with them i don't know um but they had a hard time with trying to get the wi-fi to work and they ended up watching Shaun of the dead and he absolutely he was laughing the entire way through it yeah it's his first time watching it and i didn't think it was ready for him to watch it but apparently she wanted to show it to him and he loved it so i'm like all right so he was just laughing while he, I mean, he was playing the Switch too, but he was laughing and just really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so, um, but yeah, uh, all right. Um, crunch it on time. So we'll just go straight into trailers real quick. Um, so coming out, uh, I kind of already mentioned Blow the Man Down is, uh, on. Or actually had it dropped on Amazon because I saw that it was available to watch. And I was like, I'm not going to have time to watch this today and talk about it tonight. Talk about it next week because I'll watch it this week. Um, basically, Mary Beth and Priscilla Connolly uh, attempt to cover up a gruesome run-in with a dangerous man. Uh, to conceal the crime, the sisters must go deep into the criminal underbelly of their hometown, uncovering the town's darkest secrets. So... Looks very interesting. Um, not a whole lot of people that people are going to know that are in it. Annette O'Toole's in it. Uh, Margot Martindale, which everyone knows from uh, Handmaiden's Tale. Oh, wait, that's Ann Dowd. Uh, Martin Martindale, everyone knows because she's been in everything, uh, but you don't, may not know her name. You're like, oh, yeah, that lady. She's in a lot of stuff. Um, she's been around for like 20, 30 years. Anyways, she's... Uh, She's in it. Um, she was in Walk Hard, The Hollers. She plays the mom in The Hollers with John Krasinski. Um, but she's done TV and done voice work. I mean, just looking at her filmography, you'll, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, she's in it. 
so it looks interesting. I'm going to watch it this week. Um, next, we have Inheritance, which um, I'm not sure that's coming to streaming or or what. Because um, it hasn't really said. It doesn't have a release. Oh, wait. May 15th for release date. But it doesn't have like a like a time. Usually show a time on there. Uh, a patriarch of wealthy and powerful families suddenly uh, passes away, leaving the, his wife and daughter with a shocking secret inheritance that threatens to unravel and destroy their lives. Uh, Lily Collins, Connie Nielsen, Simon Pegg, Chase Crawford. Um, I'm trying to think. Michael Beach. There's a, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Patrick Warburton's even in it. All right. Um, it's a thriller. It's not a comedy. So it should be interesting. And then uh, Bad Therapy, which looks like an independent film. The title sounds like an independent film. Um, stars Mikhail Watkins, Rob Cordry, Alicia Silverstone, um, Aisha Tyler, um, Haley Joel Osment. Like, it's got a decent cast in it. Uh, a couple seeks Judy Small, a marriage counselor, um, but the counselor is more than what meets the eye. So, looks interesting. And, then, and lastly, the history of uh, the Kelly gang, which... This is based on the life of Ned Kelly um, in Australia, um, which I think um, Heath Ledger played him in a movie called Ned Kelly. Um, yep, Heath Ledger went to Bloom and Jeffrey Rush in 2003. Um, let's see here. Basically, it's kind of it's uh, <coughs> based on Peter Carey's novel, The Story of Australian Bush. Bush Ranger Ned Kelly and his gang as they flee from authorities during the 1870s. Um, stars Nicholas Holtz, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Thomason McKenzie, uh, Charlie Hunnam, Russell Crowe, and trying to see if there's anybody else. Yeah, that's about it. So that's what we have coming out. Um, at least as far as trailers. Yep. So I think we've about covered it. Um, Jocelyn, please plug your plug your socials, plug your podcast. This is your time to shine. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> you can find me at Jocelyn Hebda pretty much everywhere. Uh, the social media that somewhat old people are on. I don't feel like I'm that old, but I'm not on the new things <laughs> yeah. that kids are doing. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) doing good it is at doing good pod you can find that on facebook apple Podcasts, anchor spotify all of that um we are on a brief break right now so our editor actually has been ice social distanced from her editing (laughs) station (laughs) so we're just calling it like a break in seasons and you know as soon as we get back up and running we're gonna hit with that but we got all the episodes up right now and we're always looking for more good stories. So if you know somebody who's doing good and you think that a few more people should know about it, then I want to talk with them. So doing good yes. podcast. That's where I am. Um, can they reach you to try and if they want to reach out to you for that, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can email me at doinggoodpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Facebook at doinggoodpod. Cool. Awesome. Um, Patrick, you got anything? 
I know. You and me both, brother. York, you have anything you want to add? He'd snuck in here. No. No? Nothing? Hey, you want to say anything about Shaun of the Dead real quick? I liked it. Well, no, you have to come over here. This is where we talk. Hello, let me introduce you to a microphone. All right. All right. Thoughts on Shaun of the Dead real quick? I liked it. Okay. What would you like about it? I don't really know. I just liked it overall. You just liked it overall? Here. Say hi to Jocelyn real quick. Hi. Okay. Um, hi. Who was your favorite character? I don't have one. You don't have a favorite character? No. Do you have a favorite part? No. No? Not even when you use the cricket mount to, to kill the zombie? No. Or when the zombies start coming at him and they, go, they start going, like that? No. No? Oh, man. I just don't have a favorite part. <laughs> okay. All right. But you did like it? Yeah. Awesome. Cool, man. All right. When are you going to get you back to bed? I don't even know why you're up. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, you had to do that tomorrow then. No, I just did Oh. Oh, gotcha. Just read. Oh, okay. Shame on me then. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> uh, there we go. We'll keep that in. Why not? <laughs> um, so for me, Jeff Hall. And Patrick Terry. And that is the end of our, yeah, that's the end of our episode. Till next week. It was good talking with people again. Yeah. Nice. All right. Go get work. <laughs> All right, everybody. Stay safe and have a good week.